Hi, and welcome to the Cornelius Seed Podcast. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Established in 1935, we're an American-owned and family-owned independent seed company. And we're excited to partner with you in our new podcast by bringing you five generations of agricultural experience and decades of industry expertise. In our podcasts, you can expect to gain valuable and timely information to aid you in making decisions for your operation. We'll keep things simple and informative and much like our motto, Planet Profit. Hi, and thanks for joining us. This is Juan Camacho, Cornelius Seed Innovation Lead, and I'm joined by Craig Alleman, our lead agronomist. In today's episode, we're going to talk about insect pressure, volunteer corn, and our thoughts around managing these two challenges. Well, it's, it's definitely safe to say that winter is definitely here. Here in Jackson County, Iowa, and really across a large swath of Cornelius country, we've had a significant and prolonged snow cover this season. As we start thinking about insect pressure, will we be able to count on a big insect kill this year? Um, why or why not? Well, when we think about the last week that we've went through, and we've got a couple more days here of this sub-zero weather, you know, a person would think that, you know, that's going to give us a pretty good deep freeze uh, into the soil, possibly kill some of those insects that overwinter, you know, that we deal with on a yearly basis, like white grub, uh, rootworm larvae, things like that. But um, unfortunately, when this week got here, we had a pretty significant snow cover in most of our area. And I know there there are a few that uh, did not have that, but, you know, it's no different than the insulation in our walls. That insulation is there and and therefore, it keeps us warm on the inside of the house. And with that snow layer there, it acts as insulation to the cold that we've had. And so even though we, we have that, um, you know, week, 10 days, two weeks of really cold weather, we're not actually penetrating into the soil and, and, and getting a deep frost that would possibly kill kill those insects. Um, I know I talked to several farmers that have done some fence work, maybe working on a corral, but get, get some posts stuck in the ground here in the month of January. And that that's pretty unusual. Um, you know, they've had a little frost to fight to get through, but it really wasn't very deep and they've actually been able to, to do some of that work. So that tells me that the frost wasn't real deep uh, before we hit this cold stretch. And the other thing is, um, even if you're in an area that maybe has had less snow and, and you feel like your frost is getting deeper. If you'll remember, we had a pretty good late summer drought uh, last year. So, you know, started in mid July there in the month of August, we really didn't have much rain anywhere. And, and as you were out scouting your fields and looking, seeing how your crop was maturing, there was a lot of cracks in the ground. Well, that that's the time of the year. That's the month. August is probably the biggest month when we get, um, adult rootworm beetles and Japanese beetles, which which are uh, a white grub, they, they they turn into a white grub when they lay their egg in the soil. June beetles, things like that, they were able to get down in those cracks, get really deep uh, before they laid their eggs. So that's going to give them advantage to be able to withstand some colder weather because they probably got their egg laying done at a deeper level than normal. So my, my estimation, my, my educated guess will be that we really probably didn't kill a whole lot of insects this winter. And so next year we would be looking at it, at least an average normal amount of insect pressure 
and possibly even a little bit uh, higher pressure than normal because because of the way our winter shaped up for us. Well, that that makes sense. Just just when you tie those two things together, um, I, another thing to consider is with the higher commodity prices. When you take that into the equation, um, how can that help con- with our control mechanisms and and if they're paying off or not? Well, what we try to do, um, you know, we'll, we'll get our scouting calendars out. You know, our customers are pretty, uh, pretty versed on doing this during the summer. And, and we know what time of the year we need to look for what insect. But when we, when we uh, look to see if we have hit a threshold where we would spray, part of that threshold is the amount of insects out there and or the amount of feeding they've done on the crop. And then you're, you're kind of taking that and multiplying that by, the cost of the control, so the insecticide that would we would be spraying to control that, and then also then the uh, price that you're going to get per bushel. So, you know, if you're going to save potentially protect ten bushel to the acre, you know, at uh, three dollar corn, uh, that's a lot different than protecting ten bushel to the acre at uh, four fifty corn. So, you know, that's the, that that's part of the equation that changes when we have higher commodity prices or even higher yield potential. You have to kind of figure that all in there. So it's gonna be, you know, that trigger will be less uh, insect damage and less insect feeding will pay to spray this year if the prices continue to hold. And that that makes sense. I think it seems like you know, planning is the name of the game, and let's switch gears to planning for volunteer corn. Now, we all know that those wind events from 2020, um, derecho, et cetera, uh, um, in particular the, the, the down corn, uh, we anticipated that those areas that were hardest hit would have a big challenge with volunteer corn this year. Now, I know a lot of guys, uh, the, the, the plan was to – to plow that corn under in hopes that the seed would germinate in the fall and not this spring. So while we all hope that the plan works as designed for the sake of not being underprepared, in case there are large quantities of corn seeds still viable, what can we plan to use for control both in soybeans and continuous corn operations? Yeah. And corn on corn or volunteer corn, whether it's in corn on corn environment or corn on soybeans is always something that we've, you know, we've got on our mind. It's part of our planning because corn can be a very competitive crop. Um, the volunteer corn can with the, with the crop that we have planted out there in the field, whether that be beans or, or corn. And, uh, so, you know, we can see a 10, 20% yield reduction if we don't address that and we have a fairly heavy population, but here in 2021, we had, um, we had not only the derecho issue, so, you know, we've just directly put that entire crop back into the ground, but we had a lot of outlying areas that had some green snap, had some lodging, you know, so not only do we have some, you know, volunteer corn on the ground, maybe that the combine, you know, threw shatter at the head or something or, or went through the combine, but we've got a lot of ears laying out there on the ground. That's going to result in big clumps, you know, which are always more competitive and more, more yield robbing in volunteer corn. We've got a couple kind of a couple of things, um, maybe not new just this year, but pretty new uh, that we kind of need to talk about, you know, and in soybeans, we've always had the the post-grass chemicals like the Select and the Sure2 and Fusilate and Post Plus. 
those have always been our standard volunteer corn control products. But now as we have a fair amount of the enlist program um, out there on the market and um, even the extend flex uh, programs that we can use Liberty in. So that gives us another tool. If we've, if we have planted conventional corn in 2020, the previous year or double pro corn, which neither one of those will have, tolerance to liberty so if we get volunteer corn now in 2021 and we have the enlist or the extend flex product out there when we spray the liberty this year uh, post applied when that corn that volunteer corn is already up we're going to be able to control it with that liberty application so you know maybe we don't have to add that grass product add that extra cost to our program and are going to be able to control the volunteer corn. Now, anything that would have um, Liberty tolerance in it that was planted in 2020, you know, that's not going to be controlled by the Liberty. So, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the AgriSure type products, most of those will have a Liberty tolerance. The, um, all the uh, Herculex type products, those all have Liberty in there, smart stacks because of the Herculex that's in there. Uh, we'll have liberty tolerance. So got to be careful. We got to think and make sure that you don't plan on liberty killing a field of volunteer corn that uh, that's actually tolerant. Um, and then on the corn side, we can do the same thing on corn. If we had double pro or conventional corn planted last year in 2020, and then we plant, let's say, a smart stack corn or some other corn that has tolerance to liberty in there, we can spray that liberty and, and kill that volunteer corn. Um, in that continuous corn situation. Now, continuous corn, the, you know, the volunteer corn there is not quite as uh, detrimental or yield robbing as it is in soybeans. And a lot of that is because it's going to be under the canopy. Um, you know, that field of corn is going to get up and be above that uh, volunteer corn, um, you know, and it's the same, it's the same uh, species. So in a continuous corn environment we may rob some nitrogen or possibly you know moisture uh, from that corn crop uh, but if that's not an issue it's it's just not nearly as yield robbing as it is in soybeans so soybeans are where we really really need to focus um, you know on addressing that issue and you know that derecho corn that got plowed under we hope a lot of that got uh, germinated in in the fall of 2020 and it's not going to be an issue but we really should plan that there's going to be a pretty severe infestation there that we will need to address uh, with the herbicide in 2021. Okay. Well, you know, talking about this, I think I hear you say at the bottom line is that, a, you know, volunteer corn control really needs to be built into the plan even before we plant in 2021. And as it relates to the insect pressure we talked about, it sounds like we need to be prepared for an average to above average year. So it's really important that we continue scouting um, during those proper times. Yeah. Times. And, Would you it, agree? and the, the planning ahead is to make sure that you have got product reserved and that your retailer, if, if you're using a retailer to apply that, he knows he's going to throw that volunteer corn chemical in there. Um, you know, these kind of peripheral products can, and especially when we have a, probably will have a big outbreak and a big demand for volunteer corn products. Um, they may not be endless on the supply. So it's important that you get that spoken for. So, you know, you have it reserved 
and uh, just kind of plan on doing it. You can always pull it out of the tank if you if you scout ahead of time and it's not an issue, but it's going to be hard to put it in the tank if you don't have it. So really important on the planning side. <laughs> That's absolutely true, Craig. Well, I, I hope uh, you, you stay warm here. Like you said, we've had a uh, one heck of a cold bout here and and uh, here and until the next time for our for our listeners, thanks for joining us again. Thank you for your time and, and have a great rest of your week. Thank you.